Welcome to the Podcast Maneuver, the officially unofficial podcast for Star Trek Picard. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 1, Episode 7, titled Nepenthe. Uh, do you know that's the name of the planet they went to this episode? I think so. Yeah, I is heard it, that. Is it related to rural Pinthe, the Klingon uh, prison world? I seriously doubt it. Yeah. Maybe that's just like another region yeah. of the planet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, they go to a significantly nicer region of the planet this time. Uh, what do you think of this episode? It was a mixed bag. I mean, I love seeing all the stuff with Riker and Picard and Troy was gold. Oh, man. I love that um, stuff. Like, I love that Riker is this, uh, you know, pizza chef, dad bod, uh, you know, kind of like almost like a retired Federation hippie the way he's, he's dressing. But he he's also, just... he couldn't be more Riker, too, right? He, right, exactly. He's like, still so Riker. Like, when he when he says, shields up, yeah. uh, perimeter scans to max, I'm like, yes. holy shit, he hasn't lost a step. Yes, I was surprised they didn't pan to Michael Dorn up in the balcony, like, <laughs> keying in all the information. Uh, it's yeah. uh, That stuff felt really good and really right. Um, and then, I, I, they, I felt like they did my man Hugh dirty. Uh, yeah, he's a great character. I wanted him around longer. Yeah, I thought he might be someone that sticks around for a while, but, you know, uh, fucking Lieutenant Rizzo. Do we even have her Romulan name? Is her name actually Rizzo? <laughs> her true name? <laughs> it's like R apostrophe Z-O. <laughs> Maybe. It might Rizzo. be. Rizzo. Um, she fucking kills Hugh. Uh, mm-hmm. There is like... I. So there are some shows I follow where you have to go to the showrunner's Instagram or Twitter to understand what's going on. Like American Horror Story, for example, does a lot of stupid shit to Ryan mm-hmm. Murphy. Just like, oh, well, if you didn't, you know, this you seems like head. it's starting to be one of those shows because there was several points where, uh, you know, if you go on r slash Star Trek, they got all the answers. Mm-hmm. But those answers are not contained in the episode of television that we watched. They were contained in comic books, or they're contained in Instagram, or they're contained in a Reddit AMA. Yeah. Uh, and I find that kind of frustrating. Yeah, I think I know the moments you're talking about, because yeah. I, like, the biggest one for me is this Fenris Rangers SL- beacon. Yeah. I, we'll get there. But yeah. That was super confusing to me. Uh, and I, the weakest part of the show continues to be the Romulans. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they're... They've got a really interesting hook here with this artifact. Um, they're just... It's the character. I think it's the character of Rizzo. She's just a ridiculous villain at this point. Yeah. Uh, and and there's like some just out of nowhere shit that happens uh-huh. to save her life. And she kills one of our favorite characters. Yeah. There's a lot to dislike about her. Yeah, she's just all over the place. And she seems very... She She's often portrayed as dumb and petulant and wrong constantly. Mm-hmm. Like... She fails to kill a Romulan melee specialist despite having tons and tons of people with guns around them. And mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, they, 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 yeah, that's that's a problem. And also, Gerardi continues to be kind of a mess of a character. Um, and they have this intrigue where Chris, mm-hmm. like, they're like Captain Rios is trying to figure out who's got the tracker inside because he knows it's not him. And I thought that was kind of weird. Most of that's okay. I have I have some minor complaints about the the way things are filmed and like the the set and maybe some of the practicalities of making this thing. But like, I I think I get what Gerardi's big deal is here, and I understand it and I feel for her. I just 
maybe it's not as expertly done as I would like. Yeah. And I'm Although, watching Westworld season two right now, and there yeah. are some things. There are some things in there that are done poorly, S- but same. there are some things in there that are done better than any television I've ever oh, seen. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I just and finished. so the contrast here is uh-huh. pretty big. I just finished Kitsuye last night. Oh, and God. it's so good. <laughs> that uh, and the... Uh, we'll, we'll, we got a whole yeah. podcast on Westworld coming up here tomorrow. So Yeah. Uh, so let's not dwell too much on the, the Star Trek of it all. But no. I, I don't know. There's, there's like, again, a lot of good stuff. And that scene around the dinner table where it's just essentially becomes a TNG episode with yep. him going around... The ready room. Like Troy yeah. said, treat it like the ready room. And fucking he did. I love it. Uh, is is really good it, right down to him saying thoughts yes like turning and uh-huh that's what he always does it's yeah. perfect yeah and uh, Riker instantly chiming yeah it's it's uh, it's all really good stuff here, here's the other thing I like about this episode I think so everybody's been feeling off about Picard as a character uh in this series right they've been saying oh this is not the Picard I know and I've been saying it too like at the beginning I was like man this is not Picard at some point I've come to terms with this is not going to be the Picard that I know this is a broken version of Picard mm-hmm this episode starts to turn him back into Captain Jean-Luc Picard Yeah, uh, from TNG. Uh, and, you know, it's going to take him a while to get there. Maybe he never does, but I can see the the, the roots of the man. Yeah, and here's the other thing is, I did to, to shore up your point, um, I don't know if I talked about this in the podcast or this is something we just talked about because we talk about Picard outside the podcast. Probably shouldn't, but we do. Uh, and I mentioned that like I was just watching an interview, a recent interview with Patrick Stewart, or maybe it was a con performance where he's very animated and the, like his voice sounds strong. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what is he actually doing? Like an old man Picard performance? Like right. he's 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 trying to like make Picard 20 years older. And I kind of think he is because mm-hmm. the ready room scene, I felt like a lot of that dropped and the the steady kind of in command firm Picard that. We knew from the series reemerged. I almost wonder if it's a intentional choice by Patrick Stewart to kind of play up his age and infirmary to to kind of turn this corner with Picard the character. Um, Or I don't know. Maybe he just had an extra shot of Earl Grey. Yeah, Uh, had a little bit more caffeine. He he had some real tea leaves. None of that replicated crap. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Yeah, that's right. He uh, palmed some snake leaf (laughs) off of Raffi, and he's just feeling. He's just really feeling that Picard juices flowing. All right, Picard let's... arrogance, as as uh, Riker said. Yeah, Picard arrogance is his drug of choice. <laughs> uh, he's it's a designer drug made uh-huh. by Picard. Uh-huh. Uh All right, let's get into the recap. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. We start off at the Daystrom Institute three weeks ago when O approached Girati, and she knows about both meetings with Picard that she had and this Maddox data dump. And O tells Girati that she needs to go with Picard and mind melds with her to show her what will happen if synthetic life is allowed to exist which is, I think, the destruction of Earth? It looks like Earth to me. It's some kind of M-class planet, but yeah, I figure it's Earth, because why? Romulan's already been shattered. Yeah. Um, I like the idea that they... Because I remember saying something like, I would love to know what O showed um, Gerardi to make her completely flip to the point that she's willing to murder her lover. Yeah. And I thought the mind... I completely forgot about, you know, the vault. I didn't complete... I didn't forget about Vulcan's mind melding. It just didn't occur to me that right. like that's one way to really make someone turn on a dime. If you can just like, hey, here's the things I know that's going to happen, zap into your head. Mm-hmm. Like that's how you can make a convert really fast. So I thought it was pretty clever to have this apocalyptic vision. Um, I do wish that 
it was a little more tell or maybe more show. Like, I, I still don't feel like I know exactly what's going on. We see this shadowy, like, ring of maybe the Vulcans, maybe the Romulans. Maybe. Maybe synthetics. I don't know. They're in a stone circle, and there's 11 of mm-hmm. them, and they're getting blown away by a green explosion. It's a traditional synthetic ritual. Yeah. and it's got <laughs> None of them pic- have shoes on. <laughs> it's got pictures of uh, uh, Commodore O tearing her face apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I, my biggest question coming out of this vision is: Is this a vision of the future, or is this manufactured somehow? How and and if it's a vision of the future, how would she have that vision? It's probably this Romulan religion thing, is what I'm guessing. Yeah, but but the, that again still doesn't completely solve my point because that's the Scooby Doo answer. Uh, I'm looking for the second stage because like uh, I don't usually accepts purely religious answers out of Star Trek. I want them mm-hmm. to, you know, show that it's actually a subspace psychic reflection out of a wormhole or some shit like that. Right. And we're not we're not getting that. So yeah, I mean that that's the thing. It's like I wish I saw more I wish I knew more about what she was actually impressing upon Agnes that was going to happen. Um and we got a little bit more detail because I, I like I I get the Agnes knows, but as an audience member I wish I did. Hmm. Um Yeah, I think we'll get there in time. It's yeah. just they're drip feeding that. Uh, what still, kind? Still not a fan of sunglasses in Star Trek. No. Still, there's a lot of things I'm not a fan of in Star Trek. Yeah. Cursing. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Not a huge fan of cursing in Star Trek, even though I curse regularly. Mm-hmm. I feel like Star Trek needs to be better than me. Yeah. In every way possible, <laughs> and that's one of the ways it's not. Yeah. And it's glaring. Well, that's the other thing is like I think that um, this is something that the guys in Red Letter Media continue to harp on, but like, is that just Picard is broken? The Federation seems broken. Like they're just, and and you things can fucking turn on a dime, man. Like look at uh, Germany nineteen ten. Look at Germany nineteen thirty five. Like yeah. huge changes in that society. Uh, and you look at something like all the synthetic life forms and the Federation turning on you instantly and causing a bunch of death and devastation. And I it, it does seem like that the Federation as a whole is a little bit. Um, you know, gone in this darker, darker direction. I, and I don't have a problem with it because, again, things can turn around mm-hmm. that fast, especially when there's major galactic upheaval. There's power vacuums. But it is. I do think it's also weird how they continue to insist that the neutral zone is both collapsed, but yet a serious thing that has treaty obligations. Hmm. Like there is a little muddled in the writing there. But what are you going to do? Oh, we also speaking of O, Commodore O is definitely a Vulcan because if she was a Romulan. She wouldn't be able to mind meld. I don't think Romulans can mind meld. I'm a, not 100% certain. I did a quick tour through Memory Alpha, and there's mm. there's like some claims that there's like latent, low-level psychic abilities among Romulans, because they're closer to Like the way that Troy is, is telepathic. Right? right, and if they have like like or fancy empathic. gear, they can do some kind of like empathy type, like if they have like a psionic booster or something, mm. so... Um, but it doesn't appear. It seems like she just okay. she just mind melded with her. So then, that's yeah, she's pretty Vulcan. Vulcan. So the the question is, why would a Vulcan help the Romulans infiltrate the Federation? Um, yeah. How how would a Romulan uh, sit down with a Vulcan and impress upon them all the shit? Like did they? Like yeah. Like without a ma- I mean, mind meld, how do you do that? It must make a certain amount of logical sense. And we'll see if the show can deliver on that logical sense mm-hmm. that the Vulcan had uh, when they made these arrangements. Yeah. I'm not so sure after this episode, but we'll yeah. see. Uh, trackers that can be chewed. Chewable, How, children's chewable trackers. What 
what kind of tracker would be better chewed? One like this has to be some radioactive. I like Gerardi's dead, right? Gerardi chewed this tracker. Her body is slowly dying from the inside out because of the radiation that they can track through. She certainly looked like subspace. it in which uh, we'll talk about. But I so the only thing I can think of is like this is some kind of nanite replicator thing that you eat and it like builds a subspace antenna inside you <laughs> once you chew it up because yeah, even as a radio tar- uh, a radioactive isotrope, how do you fucking track that at warp speed in right. a subspace bubble? It's got to be something that like some kind of okay. nan- nanotechnology that assembles some kind of tracker inside you that's you know, it would be invasive and time consuming to install through conventional mm-hmm. means. That makes a certain amount of sense. But I don't know. I don't know. I have to read the Picard technical manual to find out. Yeah, we'll see. All right. Then Rafi and Rios are caught in a tractor beam from the artifact. And Gerardi suggests just asking the people on the artifact to let him go. Just let us go home. Because she really wants to go home. I mean, it's certain, it, it actually made a certain amount of sense. Um, Mm-hmm. Like, hey, we don't have Picard and the Borg girl. We're just doing, we're just on a job to deliver the, this guy for the Federation. We're all Federation citizens. Fuck off, you it's know? It's also extremely naive because, yeah. like, they might know where Picard went. Like, they, they were wanted for questioning at this point. Like, there's a lot of reasons not to let them go. For sure. But I didn't think it was a crazy suggestion for a civilian to make. And she's just scared. Like, yeah. I get it. She's not, you know, ex-Starfleet. She's not right. used to these situations. Right. She just wants to go home. Uh, so then Rizzo on the artifact starts killing XBs while demanding that Hugh tell them the location of Picard and Soji. Uh, he won't talk, so they kill all of the XBs in front of him. And then Narek gets on a ship to go somewhere. We don't really know where yet. Uh, Rizzo keeps trying to get Hugh to talk, but she tells him she can't because he's protected by the treaty. Or she can't kill him, rather. Um, so Narek has the signal lock on La Serena, and they let, him, they let La Serena go. They're going to track them and follow them. And then Elnor is still on the artifact, but he wants them to leave without him, so they do. Just abandon him. I don't. I don't know. Why. I think it's funny that it's like, you know, what about Elnor and uh, <laughs> Rios and uh, Rafi both look at each other like, ah, <laughs> like, yeah. We just I met this we'll guy an him. episode and a half ago, man. There's these these ties don't run deep. Like we're better friends with you than him, and mm-hmm. you know how good of friends we are with you. <laughs> Yeah, and I guess XBs are a lost cause is basically what Elnor is saying. Like, Hughes', Hughes cause is more lost at this point than Picard's. Yeah, I just... But what's his plan? Is he going to murder every Romulan on this cube? I don't know. I don't know that he has a plan. Is he going to eat every chicken? And this, he's going to he might. go the hound on these people? Mm-hmm. I, I I, don't know. I don't know what he and his uh, Romulan ninja sword can do to to liberate the the Borg. It's a noble sentiment, and it's by definition seemingly a lost cause. So, mm-hmm. pretty on brand. Yeah. Uh, and this is the scene where it's like really Rizzo. This this is your character. Mm-hmm. This this is what they're doing with you. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we go to Nepenthe, which is the most beautiful planet in all of Northern California. And <laughs> Picard <laughs> meets a girl named Kestra. And on their way back to the city, or I guess to the, the cabin, uh, as we find out, Kestra triggers Soji by calling her an android. And Picard has to explain, like, on the fly, who she is, your sister's dead, yeah. all this shit that just blows her mind. Uh, Soji thinks it's just more mind games, though. Uh, you say it's a perfect planet, but it also has po- uh, venomous bunny rabbits, apparently. Mm-hmm. So that, that first rabbit, you, it's it's like the rabbit out of uh, Monty Python, Holy Grail. You got to watch that thing. It's vicious. Yeah. And the rabbits uh, also have healing properties, I guess. 
Mm. Everything on the planet Everything does. Everything does. Yeah, yeah, why not? You get bit by it and you die, but then you get better. Uh, I like the callback to Picard's heart being so, uh, solid duritanium. Yeah. You might want to aim at my head. Um, and also... And, and I was thinking in that moment, like, what the... F- why would he tell this attacker to aim at his head? Well, I had a... But, like, but when this I attacker realized. showed up, I'm like, what kind of fucking... Yeah. Stage cosplay horse shit is this? And then it's like they instantly revealed that it's a little girl. This is a costume. Like, uh-huh. okay, thank God, because that makes sense. Um, I thought we were in for like a an indoor kind of thing. Yeah. It's yeah. like this, yeah, this not very advanced tribe of mm-hmm. yeah. cosplayers. Yeah. Picard's going to hide out in this primitive planet mm-hmm. of Lord of the Rings stage play actors. What'd you think of Kester here? Uh, I thought she was good. Mm. Yeah. I felt like that she's a little too old to be playing this young. Because like I, I couldn't tell how young she was supposed how, how to be. How old do you think how old do you think kids are before they stop dressing up and doing like shit like this in the Like I feel like In our society, twelve. Yeah. Like, so when they start stop doing that kind of shit. Yeah. And I don't know. She seemed like she was playing a little bit even younger than that, just her whole affect. Mm. But the thing is, is like Star Trek The Next Generation has a long, proud history of asking 18-year-olds to play 11, you know? <laughs> okay. Like, yeah. so, and and they, they also don't do many favors usually in TNG because they dress them up like just little men. Mm-hmm. They have, like, adult haircuts, and they have adult, like, space tunics and shit. Yeah. Um, I think River Phoenix was probably, like, 20 when he's playing his character in TNG. <laughs> yeah. Wait, River Phoenix was in TNG? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, no. I think so. I think, um... No, I'm thinking of the wrong guy. Never okay, mind. I know who you're talking about. You're talking about the one guy who's from a warrior society, and he kidnapped a human kid and raised him as his own, right? The blonde kid? No, I was thinking the the kid whose father dies, and then Will, or sorry, not Will, um, Wesley has to come in and like yell at Picard about how he was angry oh, right. for him for you know yeah. telling him about his father's death and yeah. maybe killing him, and like and then they come to terms with it. Well, Will Wheaton himself, 27, when he's filming The Next Generation. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> famously. Um, but they didn't, I mean, yeah, Will, Will, they never really nailed his, like, how to make a realistic, smart teenager character either. Yeah. Like, nowadays, I think you've got, they, 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 they've they done this enough that you could get the right director, the right writers to do it. But I don't know, it's, it's a little, I couldn't tell whether she's got some kind of learning or emotional disability or maybe uh, in my head canon, the Riker and Troyer is keeping her into some kind of perpetual pre-adolescence to make up for losing their first child uh, or what the hell. They're just fully oh, encouraging boy. her to, to retreat in this fantasy world and stay young forever. Yeah, uh, it seems like that's their MO, right? Like the the other kid, Thad, yeah. uh, he made up a bunch of languages and sort of living in fantasy worlds all the time. Yeah, J.R.R. Thaddeus here, Uh inventing all these fake elvish languages. Came up with uh, some elvish warrior nuns. Mm -hmm. That was pretty inventive. (laughs) Uh, Also, I wanted to note here that the name Kestra, Mm -hmm. um, as we're about to find out, this is Riker and Troy's kid. Yes. And Kestra is Deanna's sister's name. Mm -hmm. She also died. Uh, pretty young, I think, mm-hmm. and so it's it's kind of I, I don't know. There's something bittersweet about the whole thing, like yeah, naming yeah. the it's... kid who survived Kestra and after your other kid died, and like I, I guess it actually it wouldn't have been after the fact; it would uh-huh. have been before. But 
yeah, there, there's something I like about it. It's kind of satisfying that they're aware of their own history. They can mm-hmm. they can read the memory alphas as well as anybody. Um, one thing that they that, that struck me as a kind of a false note is Soji starts saying that none of this is real. Go ahead and get on the mind game. And I was got excited like this is interesting because mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty sure Picard, Riker, and Troy have all been victims of some elaborate Romulan mind fuck. Yeah. Uh, and then we get to like the halfway point of the episode where Picard is like, "Oh, you think this is a Romulan mind fuck? Oh, you're so..." And I'm like, "What the? Whoa, how many lights are there, Picard? Yeah. What? But Riker, remember when they tricked you into thinking you had a kid? Like, this is what Romulans do. She's ex- and they were doing it to her. Mm-hmm. Like, why wouldn't she think this is just an elaborate way to get like to crack the next level of resistance? I thought I wish I wish Picard right. hadn't been so dismissive of it. There is a there is a lot of history, and there's a much better way that they could have approached this. Yeah, I agree with you. I didn't yeah. think it was bad the way they did it. I I mostly liked it. Picard being sort of like so far gone from who he used to be that he can't even empathize with this person yeah. he, he just wants to shut this whole thing down and tell right. her that uh, how do, he's basically saying are you are you stupid yeah Th- there's no mind fuck going on i'm yeah. captain john luke picard you idiot yeah that's not gonna convince her i just her. magicked I, you off his board cube with technology <laughs> no one knew existed until like five minutes ago but it's all in the up and up and you yeah. can trust these people because look they all vouch for me like come on these people you don't know yeah i mean dana has it completely uh-huh. right here like yeah. that's a stupid way to approach this and picard would have known 14 years ago that that sure. was a stupid way sure um so yeah they arrive at the cabin where Riker and troy are living and we get an appropriate amount of reunion with both of them and then they let picard hole up there after he explains the danger i, well, I love half it. explains the danger i love especially seeing Riker and he's cooking he's listening to jazz because of course he's listening to jazz yeah. and you know uh him just com- completely being blown away by picard and the shields up shit we already talked about oh, so good because uh, he's had some problems with the Kazinti. Did you, are you? Are you aware of this species? I recognize the name. I don't know what role they played. So I didn't even know the full extent of this history with Star Trek. So Larry Niven, who is the writer of uh, 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 the known World? space series, he's got Ring World, the Man Kazinti Wars, invented this this feline species called the Kazinti, hmm. uh, and they're like uh, lion tiger men. Uh, they're, okay. the, if you if you know the, if you're feeling like the Kilrathi from like mm-hmm. Wing Commander, it's the same thing. Uh, apparently, um, Larry Niven was hired to adapt one of his short stories into a Star Trek animated series, and thus the Kazenti officially made their way into the Star Trek canon. And uh, they've wow. appeared from time to time. I think there was a Kazenti like exotic dancer in Star Trek Five. You know, the hits, the animated series. Who wants that? Star Trek V and uh, now Riker. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're tiger people. And apparently there's some, some no good Kazintis prowling the neighborhood. Had a lot of Kazinti problems. <laughs> they, they came here for the healing properties of the planet, apparently. <laughs> right, right. Are, are they bipeds? They got to be bipeds, mm-hmm. yeah, right? Bipedal. Humanoid, yeah, bipeds humanoid, yeah. with cat heads. Cat heads. They got the, they got the weird cat it. feet, too. Cat know? paws for like feet. Paws and okay. like their feet, like their knees bend backwards. Okay. Yeah. But they have a lot of weird traditional rituals. But they do. Uh, yeah. I don't know if we talked about this uh, on the podcast. I'm a little weirded out every time uh, they curse in Star Trek. Mm-hmm. It's a little strange. Like Riker last told Picard, well, what'd you tell me? You want to be up to your ass and Romulans right. for the rest of your life? Right. 
I've, I don't think I've ever heard Riker curse. Hell, in hell the entirety. and damn. He, he, he said a yes. lot of, you know, like, hell you will. and But, but I don't know why I draw a line beyond it's, damn. It's, Every it's, time somebody says something past damn, I'm like, oh, they curse. George Carlin. I think yeah, it's not in the words you're not allowed to say. So, yeah. I also the other thing is I love when uh, Riker gives Picard a big hug. He gets flour all over him. Oh, does he? Yeah, because he's like you know ass deep in awesome. pizza making and right. <laughs> uh, gets gets Picard all untidy. Yeah. So then Kestra asks Soji a bunch of questions about being an android, and then explains uh, what her father Data was like as they bond. It's what this scene is all about. Uh, I agree with a lot of the things she's saying about data. Like, what's what's the point of making an android with mucus and saliva? Well, I mean, I uh, data would absolutely do it. I think they're right. Yeah, like yeah, she absolutely would. Yep, yep, uh, totally true. Although I do feel bad having having never thought, having never given this more than eight seconds of thought. Mm-hmm. I feel really bad for Tasha Yar having to kiss Data when he has no... Sal- what is that like? Oh, man. Kissing a mouth with no saliva. Like the tongue would feel like a leather couch, right? Yeah, it's like kissing <laughs> a tongue kissing a cat. It's, <laughs> it's, it's got to be rough. It's actually rough? Wow. Oh, yeah. It'd be oh, like man. sandpaper in there. It's oh, like man. duranium and shit. It's duranium <laughs> mesh alloy, yeah. Yeah, it's like making out with the whole of the Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> I can't feel good. No, uh-uh. Some people must be into that, though. You imagine yeah. the erection, though. I mean, rock hard. Oh yeah, duranium hard, and for as long as you'd like. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on. Picard and Troy reminisce over a child that she lost named Thad. Uh, Picard promises that he and Soji are going to be out of their hair as soon as he figures out their next move, and Troy is understandably worried about her daughter. Yeah, so this is the other side of Riker. Like, stay as long as you want. We'll batten down the hatches and repulse any invader. And Troy's like, uh, actually, you know, our daughter. Worry about her. Mm-hmm. You you haven't seen, apparently. So here's the other thing about Picard being a broken person. Uh, Riker and Troy, he's only visited two times, as far as I can tell, since the series is over. The movies are over. Yeah, like uh, he, he, he And he forgot one of the times he stopped by. Uh, when Thad was just a baby, uh, right? It's so weird that he he just Phantom of the Opera to everybody on his chateau mm-hmm. in in France. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it it adds a little color to the whole scenario. Like, yeah, you, you under you start to understand more about how broken of a man he must have been at that point. Yeah, because we haven't really seen the aftermath of Star uh, of, of the Federation, like saying we're not going to use our starships to yeah. help you out anymore. Yeah. We we saw like the immediate aftermath, but psychologically we haven't seen the fallout. Right. Um so moments like this I think shed a lot of light on the the man Picard. Also, I, oh god, yeah. I'm sorry. I was going to say I I love 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 this moment where Troy sort of steals herself before she walks into that room. Um it it says so much in, in that moment where she just closes her eyes, takes a breath and then puts on, you know, a a happy face, essentially. Mm-hmm. She says they're fine, but she's clearly like you know fighting back tears. It's, yeah. it's. I don't think you ever get over that, especially since it. I don't think it's been more than a couple years in the past. It doesn't seem like. Yeah. Um. Not sure how long it's been. When did the when when did the sense attack? Fourteen years. Fourteen ago? years ago, but mm-hmm. they said Thad would have been eighteen. And they, I don't know. I, yeah, these timelines are strange. I was thinking that if Thad was going to be 18, that means Riker and Troy had like a toddler in the Nemesis timeline. 
I don't remember them mentioning anything about it. I've only seen that movie once. Yeah, same. But I think that's how the timeline would work out, mm-hmm. unless I'm mistaken. And that's fine. You can have kids on Starfleet ships now. Like, and they, yeah. they I mean, a plot point in this episode. Did, yeah. They they said that the, our kids grew up on starships. That's why they invented mm-hmm. this home world and all that. I I, I enjoyed that. Um, what I didn't enjoy, and fuck you for making me now not be able to notice this, but you're right. The music on this show. Just the baseline. Oh, First of all, there's too much of it. Yeah. It's like wall to wall, and it just follows the emotion of the scene so close it comes off as cloying. Uh, and I don't know how to explain it. Like, like yeah. it just individual turns of uh, expression on the actor's face makes the key go from minor to major. Mm-hmm. Or it, it reminds me a lot of like um, Forgetting Sarah. Was it Forgetting Sarah Marshall? Marshall. Yep. Uh, Jason Siegel's character, he wrote, composed music for the shitty, like syndicated oh, crime series. Uh-huh. And how he was kind of like parodying, like all he does is just like, Mar-r-r. it's the yeah. most generic. It, it's not even generic. It's it's it, it actually detracts from the scene. I think because so because I noticed I kept on noticing it. Like um, it, it's it's like the the show doesn't have the confidence, and maybe maybe rightfully so, to just say like we're gonna let this moment stand on its own. Yeah, we're gonna let you get through the performances and the directing what you're supposed to get emotionally out of this scene, and yeah. it's like punch it up. Punch, we need we need something here because it's just not working. Give us a music cue. And I thought a lot of stuff here worked as far as just from an emotional, from an acting, from just affection for these characters standpoint. But I do think the dialogue wasn't helping them out in a lot of different... uh, uh, This scene's fine, but the one later on where Troy's talking about the positronic matrix and all that. Mm, Yeah. I don't know. We'll get get there. We will. Uh, So we go back to La Serena where Rios realizes they're being followed by someone, Narek, and they decide to shake him. There's a Romulan snake ship, apparently. You got yeah. You got snake leaf. You got snake jumpers. What? Mm-hmm. This the 24th century is obsessed with snakes, man. <laughs> they sure are. Yeah, you got the snakes in the grass. I don't know, smoking snake grass. Uh, so Gerardi expresses some second thoughts about being on this mission. She wants to go home, and Rafi's trying to figure out why. Uh, Rafi offers to get her some some dank snake leaf, or or cake, whichever mm-hmm. whichever works for Gerardi. She's going to be making some snake snake leaf butter. Okay, there are a couple things here. Cooking it right in that cake. That I just, I cannot abide. Okay. First of all, Romulan fidget cubes. <laughs> like, yeah. Man, this, fidget spinners are such a fad that have already gone out of style. Sure. Like, you're showing your ass already mm-hmm. uh, as far as aging yourself. Mm-hmm. Th- this is like putting Romulan pogs into the show. This will not be a thing 10 years from now. No kid will know 20 years from now what a fucking fidget spinner is. Which might actually make it cooler. Like if he just like has this thing he's fidgeting with all the time and you don't know what the thing is, it's more alien, right? I guess. Like as opposed to like Romulan's playing alien, you know, Romulan Mahjong and Romulan Rubik's Cubes. and uh, Three-dimensional chess worked for me. I don't know what's yeah, wrong with that. Exactly. Have him playing a game of three-dimensional chess while he's piloting. Yeah. Yeah, or something. That would impress me. Maybe have him hit that snake leaf pipe. Just make it the worst. <laughs> this is just endemic. It's, it's a scourge. Yeah. It's like <laughs> it's like the opioid crisis in the 21st century. There's a snake leaf sweeping the galaxy. Yeah. So uh, many the, the, Romulans in the snake leaf gutters. The other thing about this scene, which blows my mind, is that Rios makes a big deal about Narek or the ship just being barely out of sensor range, like just on the edge of their sensors, 
can't quite get a lock on it. He's doing such an amazing job piloting at the the boundaries of where they can detect him. And they show a shot where you can see he's he can't be more than a kilometer away. Mm-hmm. What good are sensors that can only sense a kilometer away? Man, so rarely in Star Trek is it this noticeable, but like if you take a shot every time Worf says a ship is approaching, it's 300,000 kilometers away, and then they show the external shot and they're like five football fields away from each other. Okay. And just the idea of like zipping around at like half impulse power, which I always understood is like half the speed of light. Like, almost, like any sublight combat in Star Trek should just be like a blur. Like mm-hmm. no one can see anything going on. But instead, these ships are doing these stately banks and slaloming and taking these slow pot yeah. shots at each other. But yeah, it's really... It's, it's very obvious when they show a shot from underneath their ship and behind yeah, it. You can and they're see... making a point that like he's just outside my sensor yeah, range. It's it's stupid. If he, had a, if he had a space rear view mirror, he'd see the guy. Right. You could look what, out at the back window and so see. So here's the question I've got. Why doesn't Narek's ship cloak? <laughs> because then then they could do yeah. a whole bunch of stuff like, you know, Rios's is... Because I, I believe that Rios's ship has got, like, military-grade stuff that he's probably souped up, you know, because he's yeah. a Starfleet former command officer. Oh, and they and say how badass the snake, snake Leaf ship is, right? That's true. And and why wouldn't it be a, 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 equipped with a cloaking device? And he could be getting tachyon disturbances that he's like, you know, the last few times I've made a, a minor course correction, I've seen this off the thing. and But no, they just have him... That would feel too much like a Star Trek, an old Star Trek episode. Yeah, yeah. Where they use their brains to solve problems <laughs> instead of their brawn. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I have got the actual solution here. Uh, it's because the cloaking controls are on the left hand side, and he's just fidget. Oh, he the can't. Whole time. Yeah, he can't. He he can't put that damn thing down. Right, right. And he can't reach it with his other hand. He's got crippling Ro- Romulan OCD. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's really interfering. It's really interfering with the performance of his job duties. He <laughs> it needs sure to get. Is. He needs to get some some help. He needs to check himself into this, the disturbed wing of the clo the mm. the Borg cube. So then we go back to Picard trying to keep Riker from knowing too much about the danger they're in, as Riker makes pizza. Uh, Riker introduces himself to Soji, then her and Kester head into the woods. Uh, after Soji learned this Vivine language in two minutes, which causes Riker to deduce that the Tal Shiar are after her because she's Data's daughter. And then he warns Picard he can't control the danger in the situation quite the way he used to. Um, sweet wood-fired pizza oven cam. Mm-hmm. They really, really like going to that. As, really doing as, like a Breaking Bad here, right? Yeah, as much as as much as they can. Yeah. Uh, uh, what did you think about Soji's data, trademark data head tilt? Like, there's been none of this before. You're right. You're 100% right. I don't I don't know how to explain she would suddenly have this tick. Is she going to stop using contractions now, too? Yeah. Like, I suddenly cannot use contractions, Captain. What's what's happening? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's a l- little on the nose. I mean, honestly, she she just uh, dropped the fact that she read a whole fucking book in two minutes. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't need to do the, the head tilt. I don't understand. Well, the head tilt was like, I guess Riker must be familiar with synthetics in general to know that there would be a distinction between the way that Data tilts his head and the way that a regular synthetic tilts his head. I don't know, because what does that even mean? That's all just... that. Those yeah. were all just... Uh, personal quirks that soon gave the data right it's not I think like that's the thing that tips him off it's not like uh if you have a positronic brain your head has to tilt to the left at 45 no, but, degree but that's angle. the thing that tips him off that it's specifically data's daughter 
or has data DNA, which whatever the fuck that means. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. It's the the. I'm just saying the metaphor is a little bit muddy. I doubt Riker knows about the the fractal neuronic cloning and shit. Like, <laughs> come on. He might be because that. I mean, that's the thing is like I guess I would believe if he was really up on Android uh, because you know yeah. Thad died and that's kind of there's alert. Maybe he's like okay. He's like Nick Nolte in uh, Lorenzo's Oil. He just knows he's like got a fucking medical medical degree in this very niche niche piece of science. Speaking of niche, what the fuck? You guys Nick seen Lorenzo's Nol- Oil? Lorenzo's no. Yeah, it's like Nick Nolte's got a kid that's got this very rare uh, degenerative brain, and it's a real life story about these parents who did all this research about different therapies, and there's a particular type of oil that helped resheath myelin and dog studies and they were one that anyway it's they and they, Lorenzo's uh, got it yeah Lorenzo it's Lorenzo's oil and I, I I can't remember if that actually was a big deal and it helped people or it was uh, snake leaf oil yeah <laughs> and didn't but it's a very moving mo- motion picture Nick, Nick Nolte's best film <laughs> I I do love this scene um just the Riker and Picard interplay I mean this entire episode it's fantastic and and Picard and Troy like there's so much to love about these reunions Riker, I just appreciate how much not none of them have lost a single step. You mm-hmm. know, like okay, Picard's quite a bit older. Um, Picard's not the same man he was, but when he's around his old crew, he sort of starts to step back into that role a little bit. Yeah, with their prodding, and I think that's the thing that always made Star Trek so good to me is how everybody worked so well together mm-hmm. and, and kind of fed off of each other. Yeah, real collaborative. Um, it's all over these scenes. So then Troy gives Soji her first non-replicated tomato, which makes her question the validity of her own existence. And they talk about languages that Thad made up. They had a fight over five minutes about whether it's tomato or tomato. <laughs> right. That's deleted scene. <laughs> uh, and and they, they talk about the languages Thad made up and then the disease that he had. And it turns out it could have been cured by a synth, but they were banned. And then Soji explains that she can't trust anyone because of what Narek did to her and gets pissed when Picard makes a point about living with suspicion. Uh, and then Troy totally lays into Picard for fucking up that interaction, tells him, just be the old Jean-Luc Picard that everybody likes, not this ridiculous French accent-having shitbag yeah. that nobody <laughs> likes. Yeah, stop this sinister, sinister stuff. Right. I don't know. There's uh, that's, uh, some good techno-babble, too, the whole the techno-babble, the... All they needed to do to cure Thaddeus was to culture his infected brain cells in an active positronic matrix. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's all. What? Yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure it it makes some sense to somebody somewhere. I just, uh, yeah, in an active positronic matrix, I don't, I don't know. It seems like one of those things where, like, okay, well, you don't want synths, but you can't use their, like, brain cultures to therapeutically heal people that seems mm. kind of crazy like tightly regulate yeah. the positronic matrix technology don't let it but if, if all you need you know yeah maybe put it in a head not a body mm. like where it can't do any harm or not even put it in a head just have it be a disembodied because it doesn't it like act what is that because like if also if it's an active positronic matrix does that mean like uh they would actually inject this into a quote-unquote living synthetic being it seems like they would have to yeah is, did, did, would the synths have to volunteer for that? But uh, synths are just slave According labor. to what I know about synthetic uh-huh. life forms in Star Trek, yes, they would because they were given full being rights. Right, except the ones on Mars that you just keep in closets exactly. until you need them. Yeah, yeah. A uh, little confusion in what rights those beings have. 
Federation's a dark place now. Uh, I I gotta say I I do agree with Picard in this scene. He fucks up that interaction, but you can't live under that kind of suspicion your whole life. It'll you can't when you're you. being actively fucked with with Romulans. I would love I would love to come right. into him right after his three there are four lights moment and be like, no, Picard, look, yeah, look, you're being very irrational about it. just because this one mean Romulan tricked you doesn't mean everywhere you yeah, go. But but his point is valid like you can't live your life like that yeah you're right he he says it at the wrong time it's way too soon this is, to this be is going not her to life this well. is the last 30 minutes of her existence so right right <laughs> so yeah like may, maybe have a little compassion here and i i'm wondering can troy get anything off of soji can she read anything she said into she can soji? She says, like, all, all other than her that? body. Yeah, she says, you know, she has okay. completely normal emotional responses as far as her body language and her tone of voice and all that, but I can't get anything from her emotionally. So she's just using her uh, counselor training, yeah. which I like. Which I I thought that was also cool, that she's not just an empath. She actually has had training and and uh, done a lot of research about being a counselor, and uh, it, it shows through. And with all that... Uh, stuff going on where, where Soji bites into the tomato. She's like, oh my God, this is better than, the real is so much better than synthetic. Uh, and then at the end of that, they have a burnt tomato come out of that oven and mm-hmm. Riker holds it up and says, no worries guys, just a burnt tomato. Mm-hmm. I think they're getting at something thematically yeah. here with this tomato and real versus synthetic life, but I have no fucking idea what it bread is. Bread can't never be toast again. Or wait, toast can't never be bread again. <laughs> okay, yeah. I don't know, you're right. Like, uh, it's... They're doing something there with the concept of self-hatred, I think, mm-hmm. and then understanding that, like, well, you oh, know, yeah, the real absolutely. tomatoes have bad things happen to them, too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, replicated tomato. But that's the other thing, is, like, I, I thought that... The whole the replicator can't get X Y Z correct was like for very exotic things like you know mm-hmm. Picard couldn't taste the difference in a three hundred and dollar an ounce Beluga caviar or like maybe they can't quite get Romulan ale correctly but like a tomato you can't fucking rop- replicate a tomato I that's it's yeah. it's weird that they went to like there's this obvious difference between you know I mean it's definitely a thing like having watched all of TNG in the last month Mm -hmm. i definitely remember a few times where like you know chief o'brien or whatever would say like oh this is bullshit Hmm. you know it's not doesn't taste like the the haggis i remember or whatever the fuck he he was eating uh this is not a real potato or something well that's the thing like i would buy that like if you have replicated haggis it might not taste like your grandmother made on earth right right? like it's Different recipes, different types of like, you know, you got, got haggis. It's not haggis. I know he's not Scottish, right. but you know. Um, whatever the the Irish version of haggis is. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, but a tomato, like a pretty foundational thing. I mean, I have bigger problems with the replicator in this episode that we'll get to. Mm. Uh, we're not quite there yet. Okay. Uh, then we go back to Hugh and Elnor heading back to the queen cell. So uh, to take the cube away from the Romulans. Queen Cell's got some fucking power to it. Apparently, yeah. It can, can take back the whole board cube. Maybe it's just going to like teleport everyone off of the board cube into space. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> They're going to uh, transport them 40,000 light years away. Oh, maybe it's going to like blow the thing up and eject that little ball. That like that ball's got the Queen okay. Cell in it. And he'll just like, you know, he was going to power out of there, blow up all the. 
the bad Romulans and save all and the all XP. the other XPs at the same time. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's iffy. Um, so they're headed off by Rizzo, who says it's a treaty violation to try and take the cube from us, and she's authorized authorized to kill you now. And Elnor tries to protect him, but gets lured into a trick. Guys, he doesn't know about lies. He doesn't know yes. about the lies. Babe in the woods. And Hugh gets killed. And then Rizzo's too bad he's, he's, he's going up against a species that has fake front doors because they <laughs> lie from birth. <laughs> he just stood there knocking <laughs> for hours. Why won't That's this door open? That's actually a Romulan rite of passage when you first realize that the parents have been raising you are not your real parents. Gotcha. Like every Romulan switches their kids at birth and then like mm-hmm. as soon as you're like, you're not my real dad, they're like, ha you've become a Romulan man <laughs> or woman and then the, your real parents come in from the closet and they resume. Uh-huh. But yeah, it's it's really baked in, early age stuff. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's helpless about the, with, with this. Uh, not a huge fan of the filming of this action scene. Oh, I, I get that they're trying to make it disorienting because Elnor is flipping around and they want you to feel like the Romulans aiming at nothing, aiming at ghosts after they've already yeah, it's gone. Batman like, begins and this it's is really the, hard to follow. Yeah. And the thing is, it's the, the damn shame is that this show, I think, had top notch stunt work in the first what, yeah. three episodes. Even that uh, when they stopped by to get Elnor, was that the fourth episode? Mm-hmm. I thought that those moves he pulled on those guys were pretty nifty. Um, this stuff feels like uh, it was shot by a person who doesn't know how to shoot action, mm-hmm. and they're they're cutting around to yes, it it probably makes him seem a little bit like Batman, but right. it's it's very hard to follow and then and the lighting doesn't help at the end it's clumsy where she goes and has to drop on elnor but decides to kill hugh because mm-hmm. that's more emotionally devastating to him and then uh elnor was going to kill her but she gets beamed away but it's not by her because she was taking aim at elnor yeah she, she's being gets beamed out at the in the middle of the it's action. bullshit i hated that moment yeah uh, that moment just felt like oh we're not done with Rizzo but we need this scene to resolve so I don't don't know fuck it she transports out beamed her out like was someone monitoring the fight and beamed her out at the lat like okay she's gonna get killed let's let's get her out of there no it doesn't make any sense yeah maybe they'll try and explain it next week but I don't know I I was really bummed out by that moment I was really hoping she'd take that knife between her eyes uh yes I was too that would make that character so much better yeah uh, th- so they really made me think that Rizzo turned into a piece of cake, though, because they cut from this scene where she has just been transported out right into the replicator where they're making cake. S- Star Trek has a proud history of anthropomorphic cakes. So do you remember the Troy cake? I, I absolutely <laughs> do. Yeah, in Data's dream. <laughs> it can happen. It can absolutely happen. It sure can. Uh, so I wasn't sure. I honestly wasn't sure coming into this next scene, but uh-huh. uh, it's the one where Rafi comforts Gerardi with cake and chocolate milk, but Gerardi breaks down crying. Rafi realizes it's because of Maddox. She's half right here. Yeah. Uh, and then Rios interrupts to say that they're still being followed and there is a vomit scene that overstays its welcome, as all vomit scenes Too do. much vomit in this episode, man. <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't like the trend of showing people actively vomiting yep. in television. Yeah, it's gross. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I imagine a lot of people who are squeamish about gore say the very same things about the trend toward more and more gory television. Right. Right, or there's some people that like lose their shit when they see a male penis on screen. I'm like, I'd yeah. I'd give me ten, twenty dicks rather than someone throwing up, man. I, I mean, hate I, watching <laughs> people throw up. It's so gross. It is, and like I said, I've been watching Westworld, and I even got a little squeamish in the gory parts mm, of that, like well, when they're they, scalping people and yeah, taking out their brain. Yeah, 
I, some grim shit. Yeah. I'd, and and trust me, there are plenty of penises in that. No mm-hmm. problem. It's oh, yeah. wall to wall. Whew, that gore sometimes. Uh, I think that Rafi has a point here. Where the fuck is the hospitality emergency hologram? Dude, like, this, this EMH is the most useless thing on the entire ship. Throw it out the airlock because every time the EMH <laughs> senses an emergency right. medical uh, uh-huh. procedure, it's, yeah, uh, a medical emergency, it shows up and it stares at you. Yeah, has no idea what to do. No fucking clue. It just that, it's, like it's Robert only... Picardo jumps in there and starts hitting you with hypo sprays yeah. right immediately. Hell he knows yeah. what's up, but like. Like, he would transport her blood out, clean it, beam it back into her body. Beverly Crusher, as a human being, is faster at responding to emergency medical situations than this hologram. She would come through the door, take a look at what's happening, whip out her tricorder, get her (laughs) hypo spray out the other hand. Even if she's seven decks away when it happens, she's there faster than the EMH. She's doing something faster than the EMH. I don't get it. I don't get it. Especially since this EMH shows up to help Picard move into his fucking chateau but someone starts hurling all over the place and yeah. uh and foaming at the mouth and convulsing yeah it's yeah it's a bad bad deal ridiculous His, the the emergency medical holograms only function is to declare an emergency medical emergency that's all you can do yeah this is hey hey it's emergency he's essentially calls 911 and then he doesn't contact the captain of the ship for a good two and a half minutes at least right. yeah cuz apparently uh, i guess he worked on her he got her stabilized in a coma I mean, put her in a, the bed. I think she just bed, stabilized yeah. on her own. Yeah. This image does nothing, man. <laughs> she fucked up the dosage of tritanium halcyde or whatever she took. Oh, and... I was hoping she would de-evolve, like start turning into another species or something. <laughs> Turn just into like, like a little skittish monkey creature. Yeah. Or... Mm-hmm. Let's make this into a real TNG thing. Hell yeah. Uh, but none of that happens. We'll get there. Uh, so Riker serves dinner, asks Picard, worries that Rios hasn't contacted them yet. And they talk about alternative ways to get off the planet, including this guy named Captain Crandall's ship, the Inside Strait. And Soji offers up the Romulan ritual to get to their next destination from her mind. But she's reluctant to trust Picard. Uh, he says... <laughs> He's like, listen to my shit. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> my because shit the- is truthful. You can tell with your android senses. I mean, this is what Picard does. <laughs> there's there's another episode where he does his TNG. Uh-huh. He's looking at my eyes, my heart, my voice, mm-hmm. see the truth, uh, and explains why he wants to help her because she gave him his life back via this mission. And Soji offers up what she discovered about the location of her home and tells Picard she wants to go there. And Kestra is able to find the location of the planet with the help of Captain Crandall via text. That's kind of, I don't know. I don't know who Captain Crandall is. He apparently knows well, a lot about... Well-traveled, well-connected. Yeah, astronomy. Uh, that's the fourth moon of the Gulan system. Mm-hmm. I know it like the back of my hand. Um, I also like this... Uh, <laughs> Picard's got this like stirring, uh, you know, before you showed up, I was kind of bored and ready to die, but now I'm alive. I have a mission, which means there's not a hell of a chance that you or anyone else can stop me. And I'm like... Weren't you just stopped saving billions of Romulans by a synth rebellion? Yeah. Didn't you like throw a hissy fit, quit Starfleet, and then went, go back <laughs> to your grape farm and you know suck your pacifier for the last decade and a half? Like, yeah. Well, I hope there. I hope no evil synths show up in this plot line to throw a monkey wrench in your unstoppable Picard plan. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Good point. But hey, that was that was old broken Picard. This is now this is uh, this is Patrick Stewart shedding about a decade of of rust. He's he's mm-hmm. he's in it. He's in the game. He's engaged. 
I so Captain Crandall, they're gonna go on his ship, right? I mean, they mentioned the ship twice. They mentioned his name like fifty-two times. There's almost no way that Captain Crandall doesn't come back into this story. A lot of people are speculating about that, but well, if you want a lost cause, why wouldn't Picard just wait for the Serena to pick him up? I don't know. Maybe they're something will drive warp. him from the planet. They're, they're they're making best possible speed towards there. It's true. Um, is the rest of the season just going to be like Rio showing up like a couple days too late? Oh, you just missed yeah. him. Took off with Captain Crandall. Right. As he beamed up, Picard said, "This Crandall guy is a lot cooler than the other shithead I used to, you know, I've been been palling around with. I like this crew even better, and you mm-hmm. know, it's going to always show up. It might be always uh, show up just late." I like the name of his ship, though, Inside Straight, which is a lost cause if I've ever heard one. Mm. Uh, for people who don't play poker, that's a that's a pretty long odds hand. It's like a one in a million, literally. Yeah, I, I don't know the actual odds. It's certainly not the longest of odds, uh, but it is fairly long. And most importantly, it's about, well, it's half the chance of hitting an outside straight, mm. which is, you know, uh, a straight I- you can make on either end. Uh, Inside straight is you need one card right in the middle of, like, say you have eight, nine, jack, queen. You need the ten. Uh, That's the inside straight. Gotcha. So not not great on the odds there. Uh, says a lot about the mission. Hmm. And then we go to Rios taking Girati to sick bay where he says he thinks Rafi's being tracked. Girati says it's not Rafi, and Rios, I think maybe half realizes it could be her. He has a moment where he looks at her with something on his face. But then he goes and, and does right. this thing with Rafi. So I'm not sure. I think that like um may I wonder how when are they stopped writing the show? Um, because that this felt like two scenes that weren't connected. Because I agree. The way that uh, uh Rios was perform was performed here is a, a person having an aha moment about, mm-hmm. oh my god, it's Gerardi. But then the next scene he goes and confronts Rafi as if he didn't have this conversation with Gerardi. Maybe he's playing both sides here. But why? Maybe he thinks that either of them could be a spy. That makes sense. And so he's he's trying to play Gerardi against Rafi and vice versa. It'd be interesting, but I don't know. It seems like that you would he would play the same game with Rafi where he would because like the way he acted with her was bizarre. Like, uh, you know, what are you going to do? Throw me out of an airlock? He's like, I don't know. I hope not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of kind of weird, but. Yeah. Um, but Nary kind of shows up and sort of spoils all of the, the real shit we could be getting into here. Um, I, I want to say that the other thing is, I'm not sure if it's the lighting or it's the makeup, but this scene with uh, uh, Rojas, or wait, not Rojas. Rios. Rios and uh, Gerardi mm-hmm. in the sick bay is a crime against either makeup artistry or or lighting because I don't think you should literally be able to see every human defect on a person's skin and the makeup that they're wearing and the transitions between their makeup zone and non-makeup zone. Mm-hmm. It's like, did they use a black light uh, to light this thing? Uh-huh. What the fuck? It's it's terrible. And at first, I thought it maybe is my TV because I got a new one and I maybe I haven't got everything set right. But I looked, I watched it here again at work, and it's still like you can see on both of their faces where the makeup starts, where it begins, and it's it's not great. It's not great. Didn't even notice it. Lens flares everywhere. Maybe they're lit exclusively by reflected lens flare. Yeah, and you just don't do that. It's an experimental technique that that you just shouldn't do. 
I didn't notice that, but I did notice some oddities of the replicator they're using on this ship. Yeah, MakerBot. So it is 100% a 3D printer, Mm -hmm. so much so that they left the fucking print head in it. Yes. Why would a replicator have a print head? I don't know. Like, why isn't it just a replicator? Like, yeah. why would you make an existing, like, I'm, I I think maybe it's a prop guy having fun with the idea that these are, like, the first generation replicators. We've got sure. this technology kind of right now. Yeah, but it doesn't, visually, it makes zero sense. Like, I yeah. take one look at that thing, I'm like, this is not a replicator. This is, it's a 3D printer, and it's got a print head, and it doesn't need filament, like... What are you doing? And it's weird because like it just I, strikes me as like cheap, not yeah, not like a yeah. An it's, it's, egg. it's a backwards. It goes backwards in technology. Like they even have like these little, little lines come in to like build the 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 matter like brick by brick. So it's kind of like yeah. little, little little maker bot there. Mm-hmm. But you're right. It's going that's technology going backwards. Yeah, it was weird to me. Um. So they they give Narek. Well, that's when Gerardi, you know, replicates a neurotoxin and injects herself with it. And they they lose Narek, um, and then the EMH tells Rios that Gerardi is in a coma, and he runs to see what's up. We talked about what a joke this guy is, uh, this EMH, so I can probably keep moving. Uh, uh, wait, did yeah. you notice uh, Narek's uh, joystick that he was? Uh, this thing looks. I I'm pretty sure it's just like a Thrustmaster joystick, like right off. Oh, yeah, right off the shelf. Yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, hmm. it's it's yeah. Just check it out. Are they having to like cut corners play, of the budget here? Do they not have like? I don't know, man. I is, don't know. Is it all? Is it the transparent screens cost that much that they can't so. afford it's, to get a the fucking a decent lens replicator? Every one of those is five grand. Every time you see a lens flare, it's five grand. I don't know. That's weird. <laughs> uh, so Elnor hides as the artifact security team closes in, and he finds a Finris SOS beacon and activates it. Finris Rangers. Mm-hmm. Uh, where did this thing come from? Because for the life of me, I've watched this episode multiple times. Mm-hmm. I've gone back to the previous episode to see if I could find, oh, Picard dropped his or... Or I'm like, did I miss a scene? Because it would make perfect sense if Picard, before he goes off to safety himself, would be like, Elnor, use this to call that badass Borg woman uh, that uh-huh. we just you know, became acquainted with. And you can get... Because it kind of feels callous for Picard to completely abandon him. I'm like, maybe I missed something. But I did some research, and apparently this was uh, addressed by the showrunner in an Instagram post where Hugh... Jesus. Uh, the, rhyme, the neutral zone is a lawless place where the Finless, Finris Rangers protect it, and uh, Hugh is an ex-Borg, and he's friends with Seven of Nine, so she gave him a Finris Ranger token in case he would ever need their help. And apparently this is Hugh's office that Elnor is rolling around in. And it just happened to be hanging there on the desk drawer. Like There was a scene in this. the episode that told us all of this, right? None of this was in the episode. No, sure. That can't be that can't be true. It's, Surely there was a scene in the episode that said everything we needed to know about how this thing would get there. No, it's it's complete horseshit that because they could have. They could have done this like again, it would have been smart to have Picard. Mm-hmm. But I just, I just like just drop of, his when he's running from the Romulans in the previous episode, and Elnor spots it as he walks by. Like I suspect that they didn't have all the scripts written for this season, and they started shooting, and then there's a couple points where they get pinched, and they're just like, ah, fuck it, you know. Um, you got to do something. This, this, and uh, Rizzo being transported out just out of nowhere are two huge colossal fuck ups, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I mean, next episode they might explain it, which. 
I guess. But it's like I that's something that like Ryan Murphy, speaking of American Horror Story, does all the fucking time where he just does something and then explains it the next episode. But like that's I, I mean, that strikes me as like cliffhanger television. Like yeah. when they leave you bad cliffhanger television, when they leave you on a note of like, oh, what just happened? Right. What happened in that scene? Right. Not as opposed to like telling you what happened and then letting you go, hmm, how does this change the equation? Right. It's just, it's sloppy. It's real sloppy to leave me for a whole week going, man, that fucking was terrible. That sucked. That's a huge uh, mistake by the crew oh, you and remember, cast. You remember and- Heath's fucking security card on The Walking Dead? You I don't remember think that Heath ever on paid the off. Yeah, dead? I don't think that ever paid off, right? So I, yeah, I think that they're they they were Jesus. probably writing an episode or two ahead, and sometimes they forgot. Oh, we shit, we just stranded Elnor here on this cube, and also we killed Hugh for some reason. So because I just thought it's like, oh well, he needs an X Borg to make this thing work. Him and Hugh will take over this thing, do some swashbuckling, daring dude. No, it's pretty clear that Seven Hundred Nine is going to show up, and she's going to be the XB that unlocks the cube the queen cell in the cube but uh yeah yeah no they they really should like and the the thing that i find galling is fans on like message boards uh replying with people like having these issues is like where the fuck did this finris sos thing come from and like well if you had followed the showrunner on instagram you would i'm like Right. No, no. If you would have made Star Trek your full-time job for the last 20 years, yeah, like you a, would know all of this. World building, fine. Crucial plot details you cannot bury in memory alpha and technical manuals. No. And that's that's just piss poor show running. Yeah, so 100%. That's, that's my response to that. And luckily, we are finally at what I consider the best scene of the entire episode. Uh, I, I, you know, we, we are talking all this shit about this episode, but there are some really genuinely great moments, and this moment with Riker and Picard is one of them. Oh, sitting on, yeah. Yeah, so... so on Walden Pond. <laughs> Picard's worried that La Serena hasn't sent word yet that they're on their way. Um, or, or no, sorry, Picard has gotten word now mm-hmm. um, that they're on their way, and Riker asks about his new crew, which Picard says they're decidedly motley, uh, and they talk about their retirements as they drink tea and stare at the countryside. And it's a really, really nice moment. Mm-hmm. Between, you know, one guy who it seems like Riker has gotten everything he wanted aside from a dead son. Uh, he's he's gotten everything he wanted out of life, whereas Picard has spent the last fifteen years stewing and and letting himself uh, deteriorate and just yeah. not not being that that Picard that he would have wanted to be fifteen years ago. And I think the fact that Riker can point that out, but also point out the strength that Picard has within himself mm-hmm. if he just sort of gets back to who he was yeah, uh, and who he wants to be. There's just, there's something so poignant about the whole thing. Do you think that Riker being on active reserve duty is a tease for the future? It's gotta be. Yeah. It's gotta be. Like, I don't know whether he's going to get the Enterprise back out of Mothball and come saving the day at the end of the season. Or... I don't know about that, but he... Well, uh, people pointed out that that's literally the plot from All Good Things. You know, like Riker coming yeah. in with this, on a souped-up uh-huh. Enterprise and saving the day. So it would kind of be kind of, it'd kind of be cool. It could be cool. Um, it could be also be very deus ex machina on the hands of these these idiots. But Absolutely. <laughs> uh, I talked about Captain Crandall's ship, though. There's mm. another opportunity here for him to use that ship to maybe... You know, Picard leaves on Rio's ship and they go do their thing, but then Frakes goes after him. Do you think we'll actually meet Crandall? Because they've established him as kind of a character. Yes, I do think at some point we will. Whether it's 
now and Picard meets him or later and Riker comes in with him, yeah, I think we will. I wonder what he would be like, though. Like, who gives a, like, you give a kid a broken compass, you have encyclopedic knowledge of the moons of the known Federation space and even the wild parts of it. Like, yeah, it's Barkley. Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> he changed his name to Crandall after, yeah, because no one would no one would take him on a ship. They just looked up his file, like, "Oh, you're that holodeck pervert." <laughs> Fuck right. that, Barkley. Yep. And then when he's Lieutenant Crandall, uh, Lieutenant Crandall's got career prospects. Hell Lieutenant yeah. Crandall doesn't that does that doesn't perv on senior staff officers on the bridge. No. That was his other holodeck program, The Adventures of <laughs> Captain Crandall. Yes, and yeah. Now he just took on that persona. Uh huh. Uh huh. He can finally be the confident man he always wanted to be. Riker was his first officer, but he served him in the skirts <laughs> with the go-go boots. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. So let me throw this out there. Mm-hmm. You say that there's never any 20th century pop culture references in Star Trek. Did we get one with Motley Crue? Oh, I don't. Slightly think- more modern than. <laughs> Shakespeare and I, I I think it's like, but it's it's actually literally referring to Motley Crue. Okay, all right. Did you I, catch, I know, but I was. Did hoping. you catch the Star Wars reference? No. Jurati saying, "I want to be one of those fun characters that suggest we go hide in a comet that's actually got this oh, giant yes. okay. Zorpa Zorp worm in it." Yeah. And like that's pretty thinly veiled Star Wars reference. Mm-hmm. Maybe the first I one in that. Star Trek history. I wouldn't swear to it. Hmm. There's a lot of Star Trek I haven't seen. That's true. That's true. As people continually implore us to uh-huh. give Voyager a chance. There's a lot of Star Trek I will continue to not see. <laughs> um, but yeah, I uh, this is a great scene. And can't wait to see Captain Crandall, a.k.a. Yeah. Reginald Barkley. Mm-hmm. And then Kestra sympathizes with Soji over their lost siblings and gives Soji a broken compass. And then Picard and Soji beam out. How does the compass not work? Huh? How does the compass not work when the dial spins? I know compasses can be demagnetized. The only thing I can think of is this planet doesn't have a functional magnetic field, so it just kind of twists and turns, but uh, I don't know how you break a compass like that either. Um, I tried to do some reading. You can demagnetize it if you expose it to a particularly strong magnetic field. Well, there you go. But That's just Tuesday on Star Trek. Yeah, that's true. Like on Wednesday, it gets hit by a subspace distortion. Mm-hmm. On Friday, it's a temporal disturbance. Right. And then I think on Saturday, it phases in and out of real space. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, th- I thought this dialogue at this this scene was pretty clunky. You know, with Kestra being like, you know, you have Captain Picard. He could be your dad. Mm-hmm. And he could have you. And you could have him. And you could have each other. <laughs> like, okay, sure. yeah. We're really uh, crossing the T's down the I's with, with this plan, aren't we? I agree with you. Plus, uh, yeah, Kestra says she's going to miss her, but it's mostly because she's the only other girl on the planet besides her mom. Mm-hmm. So that that probably sucks. I yeah. like the the moment at the end with Riker and Troy, mm. just sort of staring at where Picard and Soji were. Well, they had the wild three way hug and kiss festival that they they that led up to that too. I thought uh-huh. that was interesting. Um, but yeah. yeah, you think that bo- Broken Compass is actually going to? I wonder if it's going to have because like I'm you know as Captain Crandall gives it to a kid, is it going to have like some kind of special feature like it's an emergency shield or some it, shit it like that? Points to Snake Leaf. Ah, yeah, it's a Snake Leaf finder. Snake Leaf, yeah, <laughs> right. uh-huh. Snake Leaf dispensary, sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's the end of the episode. That's the end of the episode. 
Well, that must mean it's time for feedback. We've received several subspace communiques uh, sent in to Picard at baldmove.com. First up here is Frank. A few weeks ago, I watched a YouTube discussion of the meaning behind Twin Peaks' return, considering the possibility that the entire new season of Twin Peaks is David Lynch's critique of nostalgia. In this discussion, there's an exploration of what fans expect from the return to a beloved thing from the past, expectations being that we will get more of what made us feel so good so many years ago. But as shown by the new Star Wars movies or the J.J. Abrams Star Trek nonsense, or in the X-Files return, oh yeah... Check out Black Oil and Bee Stings if you want to hear our take on that. Mm-hmm. We can't get back that feeling we had before. It either feels like a dim copy or a close approximation that gives us small pleasure, but not what we wanted. A specific point being that in Twin Peaks, Agent Dale Cooper really didn't act like Agent Cooper until the second to last episode. By subverting our expectations for so long, then finally giving us what we expected, after we long gave up getting that thing, we ended up enjoying it more. This show earns its fan service. <laughs> I feel that episode seven is an ex- an excellent example of this in practice. Why wasn't Riker and Troy in the revival all along? Because the show had to earn their place and making their meaning that much more meaningful to the fans. And this Picard has been a success, at least in this episode. I think, too, in light of the critique of nostalgia is why I enjoy the new Trek's Deep Discovery and Picard. I shouldn't expect more of the old Trek or a service of my nostalgia. I should see Trek as a backdrop for new levels of storytelling, at least new to Trek. I'm glad we're past the episodic nature of Trek. There are valid criticisms of Discovery and Picard, but it not being episodic and doing away with dumb filler episodes and B-plots is fine with me. Um, I mean, I get, I, like, I guess I agree to some extent. Because I do think that uh, serialized television is superior to episodic, but mm-hmm. but I think Star Trek loses something by not being episodic. So you can just explore yeah. a whole bunch of different ideas, and you know, have it all like like the continuity is all in the characters. Mm-hmm. I kind of appreciate that's a tricky. That's actually um, something that Dan Harmon talks used to talk about in Harmon Town a lot. That like episodic entertainment is is it its own challenge. Yeah to have characters still believably progress and grow, but in a way that you can drop into any random episode and not feel lost. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's something that kind of like a lost aspect of television making. Yeah. But, it feels uh, like it. And I, I, I would argue that uh, Star Trek has been subverting expectations for the last 20 years. Yeah. With the, the change in tone of the movies. And yeah. like you said, disco, like, and fuck, even the TNG, the end of TNG movies was, not super Star Trekky, um, in my mind. So like, yes, they're, they're. I don't know that we needed to continue to subvert expectations in this show mm-hmm. uh, after we've been doing it for so long. Yeah, and the the other real danger you get with um, serialized television is like, yes, you might not have a dumb B or C plot, but what if the main plot is dumb for an episode or two? Mm-hmm. That it gets tough because, you know, in some of the worst Star Trek episodes, the B plots were what saves it or what makes it, you know, really, really fun. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas here, if like you're just not buying into, you know, a Lieutenant Rizzo, for example, you're stuck with her all fucking season long. She's going to be showing up and, you know, twirling her non existent Romulan mustache and. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a real bummer. Romulans twirl their eyebrows. Or their ears. Yeah, and their ears. Uh-huh. Some some Vulcans, that's why O's ears stick out so much. You just can't stop twirling her evil, evil Vulcan ears. Yep. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't know. I uh, 
I like I said, I, I think that this could be that the problem with Picard is that all the pieces are there and it could be even better, but it's not. It could be, but I, I will say like you know, whatever subversion they've done so far paid off in this episode for me because I mm-hmm. was very much feeling I was super happy to see Riker and Troy yeah. and Picard all back together. Mm-hmm. And it it felt like a genuine moment. Bill D says, hey, y'all, enjoy your coverage of the show as much, if not more, than the show itself. Well, thank you, Bill. Really liked the Riker family moments out of this episode. I really want Rizzo to die and rest in peace, Hugh. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Kester was infinitely adorable, and it reminds me that while the writing is sometimes middle school obvious from this production crew, their casting choices are usually very good. Uh, Discovery's Pike, uh, Captain Pike choice was nice, and this Picard crew has some fine acting moments. But seriously, Kester's casting was Stranger Things level in my book. I mean, I would agree if Eleven was playing her season one character now as a 15-year-old, because that's <laughs> my problem. Uh, I think she's a little little too old for be playing a Stranger Things character, but um, hmm. I think she was doing... I actually looked up this uh, character's name is Lulu something, I believe. Lulu Wilson, maybe? Yeah, she she plays a lot of younger sisters. She played the younger sister in Sharp Objects. Yes. And, uh, one of the flashback sisters in The Haunting of Hill House. That's like, where I was... Yes, yes. I was saying that like I she's done a lot of good work that yeah. I think she is an excellent actor, um, mm-hmm. but it's just hard to play like a 10 or 11-year-old when you're 15. I, I mean, I watched... So I watched Matchstick Men over the weekend... Uh, in prep for one of our movies, right. and there is uh, a, 20- Allison, a 24-year-old Allison Lohman playing 15 in that mm-hmm, show, so mm-hmm. you can do it. Sure. You can do it. Sure. And uh, what's uh, Ellen Page? Like She's made a career of, <laughs> right. of playing teenagers as a, as a the late 20s, early 30-something, but it's true. It, it, that, it too, is its, its own kind of talent. Uh, there's a half-broken ship on Riker's planet named after a poker hand, and Riker got the transponder codes from Picard. Telegraph much? Yeah. I think we're expecting something from that, yeah. I think Riker will show up in that ship at some point. Finally, a nitpick. Maddox said something to the effect of, they hit my lab with a molecular solvent, everything is gone. From a better set of writers, I'd read more into this as a clue or maybe a character gambit he was playing, but here I think it's, my secret lab was destroyed already by Romulans alongside, let's find your secret home, android girl, and it feels off-kilter. That's a good point. What are they going to find? Because Maddox said well, they don't his... know anything about that, right? He said that to Bejazel. That's true. He so did. they they probably don't know that her home but is gone, still... which is going to be fucking devastating when she gets there and there's nothing there. Well, and it's a bummer for us as the audience because we're already like yeah. tipped off to the fact that they're chasing a wild goose. That's fine. I mean, in my mind, I'm questioning like what is what is Soji going to do when she gets there and her home is destroyed. Like that's that's gonna set her off. Doesn't feel like it's we're gonna, gonna get reactivate much her. Do you think we're, what we're getting towards the end of the season? Mm-hmm. How many answers do you think we're actually gonna get? To to which questions? I guess what are the questions you have? What is that, the apocalypse? What is the nature of the apocalypse? Apocalypse exactly? Yeah, I don't think we'll get that. Are one. we gonna see the nest of androids handing out or hanging out somewhere in the galaxy? I would be surprised if we don't meet at least one more synthetic by the end of this. Um, probably on that world where where Maddox was. Really? With the molecular, they cleaned it molecularly, and there's still gonna be a whole ass android hiding out. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm assuming that. Destroying his lab mm-hmm. is not the same as destroying every synth on the planet. So, like, they're probably synths who made it out. Hmm. 
I was just thinking like they, they make it seem like this is a very inhospitable hell world. So it's like the idea that they'd have like a sin. But where are the clues? There have to be clues to the next step, right? Because like right. if the whole thing is just molecularly dissolved well, gonna, and there's no, literally gonna, nothing there. They're going to get one of Picard's Romulan butlers there to reconstruct a crime scene <laughs> right. with their magic wand. Yeah. And, yeah. That's the that's where the clue will come from. All right, last email. Joshua wants us to check this Reddit link below. I know, Jim, you didn't like the music, but at least it's a direct connection to the story. Uh, Picard's story. I listened to this scene and then the opening credits, and it's almost one for one. Does this change your opinion? Uh, this is something I think was discovered in the last week because I we got like three or four different emails, and there's a bunch of different threads on r slash Star Trek that the Picard theme is essentially a reworking of uh, Picard's flute music from Inner Light. So I like that. Yes, I, 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 my nostalgia bone is really tickled there. Mm-hmm. However, it still makes a pathetic theme song. Mm-hmm. Like those two things are mutually exclusive in my mind. Yeah, like, like if, how like, how good the callback is and yeah. how good the theme is, how yeah. it makes you feel coming into the episode. So like, I, I think of like a Game of Thrones all time great intro theme, right? Yeah. Um, but they also have like a subtle or more melancholy like Stark theme that plays. Imagine if that mm-hmm. boring ass kind of like minor key shit was how the show opened. Right. So like this should be absolutely a Picard theme. Like when mm-hmm. Picard's pensive or whatever he's doing, you can have this thing, this 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 reedy little flute thing playing. But like as the something you're gonna sit and watch for sixty seconds over some CGI graphics sliding around, and uh, I could use a little bit more bombast. Yeah, they do it the opposite here. They put the TNG, like elements of the TNG mm. theme, into moments of the show occasionally to like really hit an emotional note. Mm-hmm. And then they have this weak ass theme. Yeah. Uh, did, did anybody think that the the flute music was like astoundingly good? Like this was fucking Chopin well, composing thing, like, another it, symphony? Like also, it's it's nobody it's, thought that melody was amazing, right? Yeah. And and was desperately calling out for we need this as a theme song, right? And that's what I'm saying. Like I I feel like this is also a very late discovery. You know, like uh, if this was as brilliant as I'm as I think jo- Joshua here's wanting us to agree with, I feel like. That would have been picked up like almost immediately, you know, like oh, this is the inner light, blah 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 blah. But I don't know, maybe I'm being too hard on the show. I, I don't I don't like the theme and I don't like the music on the show. Uh, Josh continues. Joshua continues. Everything or one thing that the show does well at times is it rewards TNG viewers without explaining everything to the audience. One example last episode is when Troy embraces Picard and reads his thoughts about his medical condition. They could have had a cheap dialogue between Kester and Soji explaining she's empathetic. Also, they didn't bother explaining the origins of Kestra and Thad's names, but longtime viewers would catch on to those references. I didn't pick that up, that she was reading into I did. his disease. Yeah, the way... I thought she was just reading into the current desperate situation. he's in trouble, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's, yeah, I, I, I did. I mean, maybe that not to... Is on she... his mind at all? Is he thinking, oh, I'm a dying man? I or... think so, because it it's being brought up like every other episode. And he said it's like a major, like, you know, when his doctor friend said, I'm surprised in your condition, you're going out into that's the black. To and the he's Romulan. like, that's why I want to go out. Yeah, the so, Romulan warrior nuns. It's definitely on yeah. his mind. Um, but I don't know, because you're, you're right, Joshua. On the one hand, they do this. But on the other hand, like, I guess this is maybe it's more of a major plot point. They ha- they can't stop reminding us that Picard's an ex-Borg himself. Yeah. Um, which means that he, he actually could operate this, uh, the Borg, the... The queen cell, right? The spatial trajector. Yeah. Maybe. Is he enough of an ex-Borg? Because that's the thing. It's I like, would assume he could, yeah. He's almost like an honorary ex-Borg. Like, the Borg just didn't have enough time to really 
Yeah, but you get all that knowledge. Like, that's just front-loaded, right? Like, boom, you know everything the Collective knows. I thought you'd have to have some kind of peace inside you. I mean, I assume he did. He had the eyepiece. He had But do you think he still has apparatus. technology inside him? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. See, here's the thing with the XBs. Yeah. They do a piss-poor job. We, we talked about this with their dick operations uh-huh. last week. Yeah. But Lavish dick recon- or penis reconstructions. Right, but Picard is in the same boat. Picard's implants have been immaculately removed his face completely restored that's 100%. because he opted not to restore his penis at all like <laughs> right. i'm never going to get it with beverly this vosh thing didn't play out so you know what yeah. kindle it i, I you want know my the picard face. line is gone anyway put Fuck those it. deluxe 24th century band-aids on my face for an episode i'll be fine by the time i go see my brother mm-hmm. dickless and that's fine but that's the thing yeah he he had implants they were just removed more thoroughly. Well, they, it does seem like they're building something with the Borg lore that Seven of Nine, because they, um, you know, Picard, when he was Frenchy, Frenchy freshing it up, was talking about like, oh, they had this one since she was a child. They had that, they took their time to put the Borg. Like, the more time you spend with the Borg and the younger they get you, the more they modify you. Yeah. So Picard's old ass just got like, you know, you know, just essentially a, a Bondo and paint job mm-hmm. uh, that was easily scraped off, whereas someone like Seven of Nine just gets the full nine yards, shielding and all kinds of shit. Or maybe their tech gets better, like as the Borg mm-hmm. get more advanced and assimilate more races, their technology improves, so all they need is a single implant, yeah. whereas with Seven of Nine, they mm. needed to really doctor her up. I guess also, like, the, the, when they retcon the Borg as, like, doing the nano stuff, the nano, like it would take time for the nanobots to physically rearrange your and, and build new things. So like if they capture Picard within several hours of him being mm-hmm. Borgified, maybe the nanites just haven't had the chance to, to reconfigure him. Could be. So I don't know. Uh, but thanks for the email, Josh. If you would like to send us something, uh, if you'd like to encourage us to watch Voyager, for example, <laughs> uh, we get a couple of those a week. You can send those uh-huh. into Picard at baldmove.com. Can't wait to see the next episode. I guess it's going to be more the, from the previews. It looks like it's going to be a little bit more seven to nine. No, oh, I didn't check out the previews. Mm. I purposely I avoided them. Got to check out the previews. Uh, but we'll be back next week on Picard. Until then, I'm Aaron. I'm Jim. See ya. <laughs>